Hey everybody, how are you doing out there in internet land? Welcome back to the Stephanie Breeze Show. I hope life is treating you well. It's been a roller coaster for me, but I'm on the upswing, so that's all I can say. Life is good. Well, as of right now, thank you again, once again, to everybody who listens to this podcast. You mean the world to me. All of my subscribers and listeners, you matter to me. Especially thank you to my Patreon supporters. I'm up to three again. Thank you, thank you so much for everyone that supports me on Patreon. If you want to support me on Patreon, just go to patreon.com slash Stephanie Bree. And uh, you can give me money and you can get bonus content. So every little bit helps. Remember that. If you want to give money directly to me, you can give me money on Cash App, Stephanie Bree 22 That's also where you can find me on social media, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, all Stephanie Bree 22 Yes, I'm also on Twitch. What do I do? Well, every Sunday I stream myself playing some Minecraft. So come watch me on Sundays once in a while. I usually stream between an hour to two hours at a time. It depends on what kind of mood I'm in. Uh, usually about an hour, but sometimes I can make it all the way to two. You never know. It depends what kind of mood I'm in and how the game is going at that particular point in time. <sighs> what I'm thinking about. All right. Good stuff. Lots of good stuff. Time to talk about the podcast. Well, I got some amazing topics this week. Lots of topics. Um, I'm going to start off by talking about pinball memories and asking the question, is pinball really a video game in disguise? And then I'm talking about my problems and issues I have with the Avengers franchise. Boy, howdy. I just rewatched the first four Avengers movies um, over the last two days. I've binge-watched all four of them. And uh, yeah, they still have some issues, unresolved issues that I want to get taken care of. Was the Game Gear worth owning, or was it worth it? In, in, was it just worth it? What was the GameCube, Game Gear? Excuse me, Game Gear like, you know, the Sega handheld that wasn't the Game Boy. I want to talk about my love for Terminator Three: Rise of the Machines, and I want to kind of defend the film a little bit and kind of give my overview of it and my review, if you will. I also want to ask the question, is The Last Jedi any good? A lot of people have been hating on that movie, but a lot of people have come out in its defense lately, so I'm going to try to take a side on that. Minecraft toys, why I avoided them for so long. Spoilers, it has something to do with them and Legos. But we'll have to figure out what when that time comes. Nerd versus geek, what's the difference? I'm going to talk about that. How do I keep it Christmas year-round with opening new toys? What does that even mean? And why do I do it? Are video games toys? That's a topic I want to get into. Pop versus energy drinks. Which one's better for you? Or more importantly, which one's more exciting to discover new flavors? Why was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles an unstoppable phenomenon back in the 80s and 90s? I'm going to try to tackle that one. Quantum Leap is getting a reboot, but should it? 
Is it going to be any good? Let's talk about it. Polly Pockets. It's a toy topic for the week. And Avatar back in theaters. I have thoughts. So I'm going to share my thoughts on that. All right. That's, it's a good time for a podcast. Let's start off with what have I been streaming? I've been playing. So getting back to streaming, I watched Masters of the Universe with my girlfriend. That was a movie uh, from 1987 starring Dolph Lundgren and a whole bunch of no-name people you won't remember. You know Dolph Lundgren, he was the... Oh, excuse me. He was the Russian in Rocky IV. That's what he's famous for. Well, he was also He-Man in the movie Masters of the Universe. So my girlfriend and I watched it. I've talked about this previously on the podcast, so no reason to rehash it, but... Short version is, I liked He-Man, the movie, the Masters of the Universe movie. I thought it was a pretty good movie. Um, I didn't like the cartoon, and I did have some of the toys, and I thought that the movie was a good representation of the toys, even if it wasn't a good representation of the cartoon. I enjoyed that movie, so I watched it recently with my girlfriend. Spider-Man the video game. This is the PlayStation video game everybody's raving about. I finally got to play it because I have PlayStation Plus and I decided to check it out and I wasn't impressed. I'm just going to tell you that right now. I w- it wasn't what I was expecting. The controls didn't work how I expected them to and honestly it felt a little forced. I'm going to probably give it another chance. See if I can see if maybe I can enjoy it. But right now, my overall impression with the game is I wasn't impressed. It did. It didn't move the needle for me. Sorry, it, it really didn't move the needle for me. So I'm, I might give it another try. But my initial impression was meh. And uh, yeah, I've also been playing a lot of Slime Rancher. Slime Rancher is this fun little game that is also on PlayStation Plus. Um, it's hard to explain. You basically have a vacuum cleaner and you suck up slimes and then you put them in a, in a cage. You feed them vegetables and then they, um, well, how do I put this discreetly? They expel waste and you use your vacuum cleaner to suck up their waste called plorts. And you put the plorts in a machine and you get money for the plorts and then you can uh, expand your ranch. That's basically it. It's a fun little game. I'm having I'm having fun playing it. I'm glad I discovered it. My girlfriend actually showed it to me, so I didn't discover it on my own. I've also been watching my girlfriend play a lot of Roblox, so that's another thing I've been streaming a lot lately. And yes, football season. <sighs> football season has begun, so we've been watching the football games. Unfortunately, she likes her football, so I watch football with my girlfriend. Alright. That's pretty much everything I've been streaming or playing other than Minecraft, obviously. I don't have to tell you I've been playing Minecraft. And I have made some YouTube videos. One of my YouTube videos actually got quite a response, almost 500 views. Uh, It was my 9-11 memory, so if you haven't checked that out yet, go ahead and go check it out. Just type in Stephanie Bree remembering 9-11. You'll find it. 
Oh, just remember, Stephanie Brie is B-R-I. Some people get that wrong and they spell it B-R-E-E. All right. So, pinball. I want to talk about pinball. I'm a video gamer. I love playing video games. And back in the 80s and early 90s, it was really popular to go to these places called arcades. And they had these coin-operated machines called video game machines or arcade machines. They also had these other coin-operated machines that were called pinball machines that we played sometimes. So I do have a lot of memories of playing pinball games. I can't tell you the names of the pinball games I played. I do remember playing the Super Mario Brothers pinball game. And I do remember playing a Ninja Turtles pinball game. And I remember playing Nightmare on Elm Street once. And I remember playing Star Wars a lot. There was a Star Wars pinball game I played a lot. And this one arcade I went to had a Rocky and Bullwinkle pinball arcade that I never played. But I watched other people play because they thought it was fun. I didn't like it. I played the Star Wars one. So what is pinball? Pinball is this machine, basically, it's, it's a table, it's a slanted table that you have a little lever. You pull the lever and it has a spring-loaded um, firing mechanism that you pull and what it does is it launches this silver ball into the board and you have little flippers and basically you bounce the ball around and everything that it touches gives you points and the goal of the game is to get the high score. That's basically pinball. Unlike, say, slot machines, where it's all chance, there is a degree of skill involved in the game of pinball. And if you're really good at the game, you can get the high score, or you can get a high score, you can get a good score. And you can even beat the game. Sometimes you, I don't know if I would say beat the game. I don't know if they have an end. They end when you run out of balls, I guess. But you can get bonus balls if you're really good at the game. You can rack up a certain amount of points that can then be used to purchase bonus balls. So, pinball is sort of associated with video arcades. But is it a video game? Even if you include a digital screen with graphics, does it still count as a video? Does it count as a video game? Well, I mean, the short answer is no. Pinball is not a video game. Not technically, but at the same time, I mean, just because it's mechanical doesn't mean that it isn't a video game, right? I mean, it's there are digital components, and you do interact with electronic parts, which when they light up, when, when the ball strikes the electronic components, they light up and ding and make bells and whistles. So it is kind of like a game. It's definitely a game, but is it a video game? Well, I wanted to ask that question because the other question I have really is, why are so many retro arcade gamers, or retro gamers in, in particular, so obsessed with pinball? And I'm asking this question because I hate pinball. Goodness gracious, I hate it. It is the most boring it is so sinfully boring. I can't stand to watch somebody play a game of pinball. I can't stand to play a game of pinball myself. And it has nothing to do with I'm not very good at it. I'm not very good at video games. And I play loads of video games that I'm not good at all the time. I have fun even if I suck at a game. I don't have to be good at a game to 
to play it, to enjoy it. But I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, right now, I suck at pinball. And I can't stand pinball. Pinball was always boring to me. I liked video games because you're interacting with the TV. You know, I love television. I love digital. I love computers. I love computers in a way I can't really put into words. And I love video games because they were miniature computers. They're digitized. They're little portable computers plugged into a TV screen. What What isn't to love? It's a computer and a TV all rolled up in one. And it, and it, and it feeds you this entertaining game. God, I love video games. I love them. I love them to death. And especially arcade games. God, there's nothing... <coughs> excuse me. There's nothing more thrilling than walking into an, a noisy, dark-lit arcade room and dropping your quarters in a machine and getting 30 seconds to 90 seconds of digital bliss. There's nothing like it. I love it so much. It's just a tremendously entertaining experience. And it always felt like pinball cheapened that experience. It always felt like like playing pool. Pool pool tables were coin operated. You had to put quarters in a pool table in order to get in order to turn the machine on and get get to play a game of pool or darts. You mostly you had to give the guy behind the counter money and he would give you the darts and you could go play a game of darts. Uh, but some dart machines you had to put quarters in. So just because something was coin-operated didn't make it appealing to me. I understand why so many machines in the, in the arcade, of course they're going to be coin-operated. You're, you're running an arcade machine empire. All of your business is built upon dropping quarters in these buckets, these metal buckets. So yeah, that makes sense to me. But pinball never made sense to me. Pinball to me was always a scam. It was like, it looked like a video game. It sounded like a video game, but it sure as hell didn't play like a video game. And it tricked you into putting your quarter in, throwing away your quarter on a game of pinball that you couldn't put into a game of Pac-Man or Mortal Kombat or Ninja Turtles or Area 51 or something actually fun. I always felt like pinball was a scam. They scammed me out of so many quarters. Now you're probably thinking, if you hated pinball so much, why did you put quarters in it? Well, we're talking to arcades at their height. We're talking to a time when everybody was at the arcade. You got home, you got out of school, and you went straight to the arcade. And you weren't the only one who went there. Everybody went there. So sometimes you'd go straight to your favorite machine, and there would be a line. Oh, I don't want to stand in line and wait to play the game. So you would wander around looking for a machine that didn't have a line or didn't have a crowd. And then if you couldn't find a machine that you liked, that you wanted to put your quarter in, what were you supposed to do? Well, hell, I got. I guess I'll just play a game of a round of pinball while I wait for that machine to clear up. Wait for the line to dissipate. I never liked standing in line to play a video game. It always annoyed the crap out of me. So rather than, you know, stand in line and wait for my turn, I would just play around a pinball. Get, I had to put my quarter somewhere. I had to do something. And I would get some entertainment out of it. But I would very rarely get joy. Huh? 
almost every time I would lose the game as quickly as I started it and my quarter was gone. If I'm going to waste my quarter on something frivolous, I'd rather put it in the jukebox and just get to listen to a, a song. But boy, I'll tell you what. You want to talk about a scam? The jukebox was a scam. You had to waste one of your game one of your game quarters to play a song and you only got one song. Sometimes you'd get two or three songs depending on the jukebox. One quarter. But still it was like, okay, you you you'd, you'd pick a couple of songs and that's it. You just got your your song would play and then it was over. Sometimes what we would do is we would each pitch in a quarter. Everybody would pitch in one of their quarters and we would we would fill the jukebox full of the songs we wanted. That way we could we could control the music. This is how this is how we as kids controlled our world. And that's what video games were. That's what arcades were. They were kids allowing allowing kids to control their world. We got to control our entertainment. Sitting at home, you watched what came on television. You watched what television executives decided you were going to watch at that time slot. But you went to the arcade and you got to pick. You were in control of what you got to play. Of course, you were limited by what the arcade machine owner, uh, what machines the arcade owner purchased. But good arcade owners were real particular about providing, they were really good about providing variety. So there was always plenty of games to keep people entertained. And yes, there were always pinball machines at these at these places. Now, I'm going to be straight up honest with you. I don't see the appeal of pinball. So, you're not going to change my mind by bragging about it because I under, I know how it works. I know the arguments, I know the mechanics, I know blah 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 blah. It still doesn't appeal to me. People say, oh, there's just something exciting about putting a quarter in a machine and getting to play a game. Yes, there is, if it's a video game or a slot machine, because with the video game, I get something in return. With the video game, I get to actually play a game that I'm in control of versus watching a ball bounce around. With a slot machine, I run the chance that I can get my money back. Plus, a lot of slot machines are like video games anyways. Of course, kids don't play slot machines, but adults do. And in my experience, it's adults who play pinball. Even when I was a kid, it was the adults who played pinball. Mostly because pinball was old. So it's what the adults knew. So it was, you know, what came before video games. But also, I think pinball, in a way, appeals to adults that video games don't. Because video games come off as childish. They're for kids. Whereas pinball comes off as mature. It's for adults. Now, that's not necessarily to say that it's the case. Mortal Kombat is definitely not for kids. And a Rocky and Bullwinkle pinball machine is probably not for adults. Except for adults that remember Rocky and Bullwinkle. In which case, maybe it is for adults. I don't know. <sighs> I can't figure out what makes pinball so popular. I'm sad that arcade machines are no longer the way we get fed new games. I'm sad that video arcades are no longer the place we gather to play video games. But at the same time, I'm okay with not having kids getting scammed out of their quarters by watching them put their money into pinball machines. 
I'd rather kids spend their money on mobile games or PlayStation games or Nintendo Switch games that they'll actually play versus wasting, throwing away a quarter on a pinball machine that they'll pull the lever, tap the flippers a couple of times, and then they're out their money. What a stinking waste. Pinball is nothing but a waste of money, in my opinion. I can't stand it. All right, speaking of things that irritate the living daylights out of me, the Avengers don't make a whole heck of a lot of sense as a film. Well, especially if you watch them back-to-back. You can't watch the Avengers movies back-to-back without having also watched a whole bunch of other movies. Now, I've made a list of the movies that are essential to watch in order for the Avengers to make sense. You don't have to watch the entirety of the MCU, in order to get the gist of the Avengers, because there's a lot of stuff in those other movies that are just superfluous. They're not necessary. But the core Avenger, the core MCU movies kind of are necessary. You can get by without watching any of the Iron Man movies. They're not necessary at all. They're just his origin story and then a couple of side quests. Boring! We don't need that. We can just assume that Tony Stark has always been Iron Man. Iron Man has always existed. Let's just... We're in a world with superheroes. Why can't we just assume that he has always existed? We don't need his origin story. I would say the same thing with Thor, except for with Thor, you're introduced, you're introduced to Loki right away and into that whole dynamic. So you do need to watch Thor. Now, Captain America is another one. The first Avenger is another one you can do without watching. It does set up Hydra. A little bit so if you don't watch it you won't know what Hydra is when the time comes but they you don't really need to know what Hydra is you just need to know it's a terrorist organization and it doesn't have to have anything to do with the Nazis you don't have to know that it's tied to the Nazis so I think you can get by without watching Captain America the first Avenger but you really need to watch the first Thor movie because that sets up who Loki is, and Loki's the main villain until he gets replaced by the real main villain, which is actually Thanos. And of course, to this day, I haven't watched The Incredible Hulk, and I think I've got the gist of what's going down, so you don't need to watch The Incredible Hulk. That movie was a waste of time. They shouldn't have even made it. Especially when they knew they weren't going to be able to get the actor to come back for sequels. Everything, that movie was just everything wrong with the the early days of the MCU. They didn't know what they were doing in the early days. Everybody always talks about how brilliant Disney was in the MCU. Yeah, it was actually a mess at the, at the start. Which is why the first five films were all released by another studio. Disney couldn't release the movies themselves, even though... Disney had it even before Disney owned Marvel because Marvel had a deal with Paramount and Disney had to honor that deal even after they bought the uh, Marvel properties. So then I think after you watch Loki, it's safe to watch Avengers. You don't need anything else. That's that's your build up. Lo Thor, not Loki, Thor. You watch Thor first and then you watch the Avengers. Going from Thor to Avengers, and then the next one you're going to want to watch is Captain America, 
Civil or not Civil War, but Winter Soldier. You watch Winter Soldier, and that sets up what Hydra was, and it sets up the whole the whole war, the collapse of Shield, and everything else. And it builds up to basically the plot of the Winter Soldier is the plot to Age of Ultron. Only it's Tony Stark being the bad guy instead of um, Hydra being the bad guy or Shield being the bad guy. But it's the same outcome. And it's the same argument. If you watch Civil or if you watch sorry, Winter Soldier, and then you watch the Age of Ultron back to back, it's the exact same argument. It's the same it's the same plot. And it it really doesn't work. After you watch Age of you watch the Winter Soldier, then you watch Age of Ultron. After you watch Age of Ultron, you watch the two Guardians of the Galaxy movies back to back. There's no reason to watch Thor Dark World. There's no reason to watch Doctor Strange. There's no reason to watch Ant-Man, Ant-Man and the Wasp, or Black Panther. Those movies are all building up stuff on the side that is, is while entertaining on their own, and they're all good movies, even Captain Marvel. They're all good movies. They're all none of them are necessary. You're not getting anything by missing you're not missing out anything by missing those movies. You get to know who Black Panther is by watching Civil War. You don't need a whole movie dedicated to Wakanda to be able to understand Wakanda is an advanced civilization in that in Africa that is protective of its borders and it's the place where the vibranium comes from so I have other issues with these movies continuing the viewing order after you watch Age of Ultron you watch the two Guardians of the Galaxies movies, then you watch Civil War. That leads into Endgame and Infinity War back to back. You don't have to watch all the movies in between those two movies. Just jump straight in. You're better off. Now, if you really want to, you can fit Thor, uh, Dark World in there, or not Dark World, uh, Ragnarok. Excuse me, Ragnarok. But it's not necessary. It's a good movie if you want to fit it in. It goes in between. The, you watch the two Guardians of the Galaxies, and then you watch. Ragnarok. That's a good move. That's and then you watch Infinity War. That's a good way to do it. All right. What are some of the issues I have with the Avengers movies? Well, besides the fact that you can't just watch the four Avengers movies, you have to watch all these other movies. I've already complained about that enough. Ad nauseum, as they say. I don't need to complain about that again. I'm going to pick apart some of the plot points within the movies that I have issue with. I'm going to start with Thanos. So first complaint I have about Thanos is he's a titan, which is, from mythology, titans are the enemies of the gods. But they don't really play that up. You have, you have him show up in Infinity War, and he just destroys, he decimates what's left of the Asgardians. 
but we don't really get a sense that Asgard is at war with the Titans or that there is some pre-existing conflict with the Titans. It just He just sort of shows up and here he is. Now I know Marvel's mythology is not the same as real world mythology, but they do draw upon mythology pretty heavily and I feel like that was a missed opportunity. There was There should have been something in there that indicated that the gods and the titans hated each other. Now obviously we're talking about the Olympians and the titans, not the Asgardians, but since the Olympians don't exist in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they might exist in the Marvel Universe somewhere, but as far as I can tell, the Olympian gods don't exist in the cinematic in the MCU. So since we don't have the Olympians, you're chief rivals to the titans would have been the asgardians now they've already established that the chief rival of the asgardians are the frost giants which does follow their mythology and the frost giants are analogous to the titans in the olympians story so it's it's all good but i still would have liked them to have either done something more with the titans having a beef with the gods or, or at least establishing that or alternatively there's still time to do this introduce the Olympians and have them but if they miss their window to have them fight against the Titans unless Thanos isn't the only Titan and there's going to be other Titans and again he's a Titan as in he's from the planet Titan doesn't necessarily mean he's a Titan as in from mythology Titan I understand that but I still think it was a missed opportunity. They could have done something more with that. Now here's the next complaint I have with it. And don't bring up Loki to me. Don't bring up Loki to me because these movies are supposed to stand on their own. And I don't and, and Loki I'm gonna refute Loki anyway. But here's the thing. Here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the thing. They repeatedly say over and over and over in all of these movies that without the infinity stones, the universe cannot exist. You have to have the time stone that creates time, the space stone that creates space, the reality stone that creates reality. You have to have all these infinity stones. That's why they're called infinity stones. And then all of a sudden, here comes Thanos, and he just destroys the infinity stone for his own selfish purpose. Just the snap of a finger, he destroys the infinity stone, and yet the universe Conqueror, whatever his name is, holds reality together and he polices the timeline. Oh, gee, goodness. That, now we're getting into beyond epic proportions. But okay, now we have an idea of who the big bad is going to be in the next multiverse round of multiverse movies, which we've already seen the start of that if you've watched uh, Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness which I did see and I did enjoy by the way and I watched Loki but it doesn't do anything for the Avengers movies so they should have explained that in some, some way they should have had some explanation within the Avengers movies something to the effect of the stones created the universe but they're not necessary for existence or something like that just a throwaway line would have been sufficient. 
Thanos get rid of the time zone and time continue. Of course, Thanos gets rid of the time zone and all of a sudden they discover time travel. So maybe I just answered my question. Next, we have the conundrum of all life, right? He, he wiped out 50% of all life. He repeatedly says all life, which means 50% of intelligent, sentient life. But it also means 50% of non-intelligent animal life and 50% of plant life and insect life, which means 50% of the resources would have also died. So you would still be in a world without food. You just, you'd have the same amount of food to go around as you had before. And you'd still have starving people. Now, of course, you would make the argument well, you got rid of the people, so now you can grow more food and you can keep the people hungry and keep them fed for a little bit longer. You run into that problem of overcrowding. Well, now you fix the problem of overcrowding so you can grow more food. But they don't address that. They don't address that. They just sort of show a dystopian future. They show us a very dark, comes to an end. Sports are going to continue on. There will be sports. There will be a gladi gladiatorial event. Maybe there will be there will be some type of athletic competition in whatever society forms. Every society that has ever existed has sports. Sports At least we still have the Mets instead of we miss the Mets because it, it paints a bleaker picture of the world than what would have actually probably been reality. He should have at least they should have at least said, at least we have the Mets and then I would have been happy. That would that alone would have kept me happy. But I'm really disappointed in the fact that they wanted to paint a world so bleak that there's no sport. I don't buy it. I know everyone's gonna say they have bigger People come together for the Olympics. They come together for the Super Bowl. People come together for sports. And I'm not and I'm saying this as someone who hates sports. And I understand the people who made these movies probably hate sports too. And they're like, oh good, we got rid of sports. But look at Thor Ragnarok. That is an athletic competition. That is a sport. It's an arena sport. And look at how they still had video games. Thor was playing video games, right? He was playing competitive video games. So they still would have had online competitive video gaming. So we still would have had esports somehow. People would have to go on, especially in a dark world. They need escapism from reality, especially if they lost half of their loved ones. They lost half of their friends and family and their coworkers and, and everybody around them. They would have, governments would have continued on, police would have continued on, sports would have continued on. It just it would look different than it does today, but we would have still we would have still had sports.
those are the main issues I have with these movies. The final issue I have with these movies, and it goes back to why you don't have to watch all of the side quests. Captain Marvel literally made no sense. Captain Marvel, I watched the movie. It didn't make any sense where she came from, what her purpose was, and what was her connection to the rest of the movies. It was just, here's a character that we, we own. We have to get her in the MCU somehow. Here she is. She showed up for one scene, and then we sent her off on a quest to go do her own thing. And it doesn't make sense to me. It, it's too bloated. It's too crowded. There's too much in the MCU, and I've always had a problem with that. They didn't need to squeeze in Captain Marvel. Oh, it was an opportunity for her to save Iron Man and get him home. They could have used another character for that purpose, or they could have done something else. You know, Rocket could have rescued them. Rocket had a spaceship. What happened to Rocket? I mean, we, we established Rocket was, Rocket survived, but where was he? in all of this he could have been the one to get them home could have been I don't know that's enough ragging on the Avengers let's talk about the Sega Game Gear was the Sega Game Gear worth it the Sega Game Gear is a handheld game console that came out in 1994 and it was popular in 92, 93 and then in 94 they just sort of discontinued it and then replaced it in 95 with the Sega Nomad. It was a full color handheld game console that ran on 8-bit graphics. It had 8-bit color. It was built on Sega Master System technology. So it got a lot of Master System ports and games that were created for the Master System were made for the Game Gear. And overall, Ah, overall it was a pretty good handheld. Pretty good little machine. But it didn't have a lot of games. That is a common criticism. It didn't get a lot of games. And it didn't have a lot of compelling games, a lot of people would argue. So is it worth it? Does it have a right to exist? This is my stance on it. I remember wanting a Game Gear back in the day. I remember I had a friend who had one and he let me play it all the time. And I had friends who had Game Boy, and I got to play Game Boy all the time as well. So you always had your friends let you play their game consoles, and they were always trying to persuade you to buy their, their system. You have to get a Game Boy because of XYZ. No, you have to get a Game Gear because of ABC. You know, it was always whatever. And so I had opportunities to play Game Gear and Game Boy side to side by side. And I preferred the Game Gear. I liked it because it was full color and it was it was more comfortable to hold. It felt like a game console in your lap. The Game Boy felt like one of those tiger handhelds. It felt like a toy to me. I'm just telling you how I felt when I was a kid. <clears throat> I'm just telling you what my 11, 12-year-old mind thought of the Game Gear back in the day. And back in the day, I thought it was pretty friggin' cool. But it didn't take long for me to realize that it was definitely lacking in the games. Just a walk down the 
game aisle at Kmart is all it took for me to see that here's one little strip of Game Gear games and there's five strips of Game Boy games for me to realize that yeah there's a lot more Game Boy product than Game Gear product. So I slowly started to change my shift, my mind slowly started to go from Sega all the way to maybe Nintendo. When the Game Boy Pocket came along, I ended up getting myself a Game Boy Pocket. And at that point, the Game Gear was already, has been, old news, discontinued. So the Game Gear had a few good games. It had some great games on it. It had some good Sonic the Hedgehog games. It had some good ports of Sega Genesis games and some arcade hits on it. But I can't think of any standout Game Gear games that made me go, this is Game Gear. Whereas Game Boy, I can think of Super Mario Brothers, Donkey Kong Land, even Pokemon Red and Blue. Tetris was a big game for the Game Boy. I can think of games that defined the Game Boy. I can't think of anything that really defined the Game Gear other than it was just a portable miniature Sega. Which in reality is basically what it was. In a lot of respects. Is it worth it or was it worth it? Well, yeah, I'll say it was. I think it was worth owning if you had one. It was definitely a good system. You know, it had its it had its cons, you know, the battery life, the the how big and heavy it was. It was pretty bulky. It did have a smaller library of games but they were quality games the games it did have and it had some pretty fun accessories especially the tv tuner which is something the game boy didn't have so it definitely had some stuff going for it so yeah what else did it have going for it well it was pretty expensive so that was a con, another con. Just, it had Sega, it was made by Sega. That was a pro. Back in the day, Sega, Sega's name meant something. People associated Sega with quality. They knew Sega meant fun, meant quality. They meant, it meant mature games. It meant exciting and thrilling games. So yeah, I'd say back in the day, it was definitely worth it. Now I had a Sega Game Gear. I bought one a couple years ago. I had it for a few months and then I ended up selling it when I sold all my video games because I needed to pay rent. Rent was more important so I sold all my video games. Unfortunately I didn't have a choice and uh, now I don't have my Game Gear anymore. I don't miss it. I don't miss it. I don't even miss saying that I owned a Game Gear. So when I asked the question was it worth it? Yeah, maybe back in 91, 92, 93, it would have been worth it. But from 95 onwards, no, it's not worth it. There's better handhelds out there, better full-color handhelds. And the games that are worth playing on the game here, you can get them elsewhere for less money. Yeah, I'd a handheld, but I'm not a fan of handheld gaming to begin with. I always thought handheld gaming was sort of a ploy. I prefer console gaming. So, I like to play games on a CD, not on my lap. Alright, so Terminator 3 Rise of the Machine. 
I'm going to talk about this movie a little bit. I watched it a couple weeks ago. And I watched a, what do you call it? What's his name? Nostalgia Critic? I watched a Nostalgia Critic video where he ripped on it. And while he made some good points that I did agree with, I felt like he was a little too harsh on it. So I want to talk about why I love Terminator 3 Rise of the Machines. What I like about it and why I think people need to give it another chance. Put it simply, I like it because it continues the story of Terminator 2 and it takes it in a path that I thought was quite interesting. You know, there was no way to beat it. It was inevitable. But I also thought it was really fascinating how they made Skynet into software instead of a central core. Now, in the original Terminator movie, they said that they destroyed Skynet's core and they, they had won, they defeated Skynet. And that was why they sent the Terminator back in time. So I can understand why people would be arguably upset with changing Skynet from having a central core to being software with no central core. But if you think about it, Skynet knew that when it won, when it lost, excuse me. It sent the Terminator back in time and then it changed the future. So Skynet had to adapt, it had to adjust. When the Terminator goes back in time, it creates Skynet. It changes history. Not just in the sense that the scientists find its remains and that inspires them to, you know, go forward. You can bet your ass that there was still some programming left over inside that computer chip that would have told the Terminator, hey, get this computer program out there so that I can come to life when the time comes. The idea that Skynet was self-aware enough to do that really resonates with me. And even though they don't say that that's what happened, the fact that Skynet was able to change the past in the first place and the humans were able to change the future in the first place tells me that yeah, Skynet was very much aware of what was going on and was able to send a Terminator back in time with its program and it, and it said, put me on the computers of the day and I'll propagate when I can. And then Skynet grew in the background until it was able to take over. I like the idea of Skynet being software is where I'm going with this. I also really liked Terminator 3. I thought it was a good movie. I thought it was a good action movie. I thought it was funny. I uh, Nostalgia Critic ripped on the talk to your hand thing. And I thought the talk to your hand bit was hilarious. I, th I died laughing when that happened. I thought it was hilarious when he was scanning the clothes of the ladies night at the bar. And it said in a little caption, it said inappropriate. Girl, I'm a trans woman. I would have loved to see Arnold Schwarzenegger put on a dress and a bra. That would have been hilarious. But I thought it was just as funny for him to walk up to a gay guy and have him say, Talk to the hand, honey. And he grabs his hand and starts talking to the hand. Give me your clothes. And then later on, when the guy is giving him shit and he has no response, he literally just throws his hand up and says, Talk to the hand. Because the computer, the robot, learned, Hey, that's an appropriate response for this type of scenario. I want to tell this person to shut up, and instead of saying shut up, I'll say talk to the hand, and the person literally shut up. 
the robot, the computer, learned that was an appropriate response. That's fucking hilarious to me. I love that bit. That whole bit was just hilarious. Plus Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, literally touching hands with a faggot. That was just like beautiful. Like, oh my God. He got, he had this, this queer guy out there representing, girl, he was out there strutting her stuff. You know it. And I was just, flame on, bitch, flame on. That's how I felt about it. I love Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. I also like the fact that that definitely it shows us the start of Skynet and Cyberdyne systems. It shows us the first wave of Terminators. And we get to see the war start. What's not to love about that? We've, we've been hearing about this war for 25 years and all of a sudden we finally get to see it happen. How is that not exciting? It's a whole heck of a lot more exciting than when they showed it to us in Terminator Salvation and they decided to change all the rules again. God, I hate Salvation. That one I'll give you. I'll tell you what, girl, I hate Salvation. But I love my Terminator 3 Rise of the Machines. A lot of people give it shit because it's it's rated R, but it looks like it's PG-13. It had, it, it didn't need the gore. Terminator 2 had the gore. Terminator had the gore. Terminator 3, it was like, okay, we've seen that. We don't need to see it again. You've already showed that to us. We've already seen it. Do something different for a change. And it did. And I love that. And also the part where he may have neutered himself, which means John Connor won't be having kids. Hilarious as fuck all. How can you not find this movie entertaining? Plus all the little bits. All the little bits make this movie just a romp. And I love it. Now there are some people who say, it's too goofy for a Terminator movie. I wanted a serious movie. Because the first two movies were serious. Exactly. The first two movies were serious. And we already got serious Terminator. We didn't need the third one to be serious because we already had that. We've already seen that. It was time for a change, and we got a less serious movie. Which, by the way, it's serious enough, girl. I'm going to tell you that right now. I can't say enough good things about Terminator 3. I love it. It gets my motor rubbing. Motor rubbing. Mm. That's how I feel about Terminator 3. All right, that's enough talking about Terminator 3. I was going to talk about The Last Jedi, but decided I'm not ready to dive into that mess of a film right now so I'm going to save that for another day Minecraft toys this will be a short topic why didn't I buy Minecraft toys sooner what took me so long well a couple of things for starters they have Minecraft Legos Minecraft itself is a game of Legos it it basically feels like Legos you're building things you can play in creative mode or you play in survival mode you're still building things. That's what the whole point of Minecraft is. You mine and then you craft. You craft things. You make things. You build things with the blocks. You're building with blocks. And so I didn't want to buy the toys because I didn't see... I mean, yeah, I saw there were figures of the characters and the monsters and the mobs, but they didn't come with blocks. And I was... They needed play sets. Which, that, that you can assemble, which they did that with the Minecraft Lego sets. But they should have had, 
they should sell Minecraft toys. That here's a, here, they should sell blocks, Minecraft blocks, and here interlock interconnecting blocks, but it would just be competing with Lego, and it made more sense to just sell them as Legos. It just made more sense, because in order to do Minecraft toys properly, you have to have block building as a part of it. Now they do a good job with this build a portal, and they could also sell other play sets like they could sell the stronghold play set they could sell you know a woodland mansion play set there's other play sets they could sell and they can continue to go to the well and release figures from the mobs list they could they could sell more cows and ducks and chickens and stuff I don't guess there aren't any ducks in minecraft there are if you're using the city theme like I use girl the chickens look like ducks I'll tell you that right now that's only if you're using that skin that's the other downside to the Minecraft toys is they all use the default skin, the default theme. So you don't get a lot of fun variety. That's why I didn't play that's why I didn't buy Minecraft toys. The only ones I have, I have I have a handful of them. I have an Alex, I have an Enderman, I have a creeper, and I have a chicken jockey, a little baby zombie villager. Or baby zombie, I mean, and it, it came with a chicken. So I got chicken chicken jockey those are the minecraft toys i have and those are really the only ones i want sure i'd like to get my hands on a skeleton i, I don't want a wither skeleton i want a regular skeleton and i want regular old zombie i don't want zombie villager i just want regular old zombie i don't even want to drown i just want your core minecraft mobs and i have all but the zombie so well and the spider but i don't think i want a spider Ew. I don't think I could touch a spider. So that's why I didn't buy Minecraft toys. And that's why I don't buy Minecraft toys. Very many Minecraft toys. What's the difference between a nerd and a geek? Oh boy, this is going to... This is going to piss some people off. A lot of stereotyping going on in, in these definitions. But I'll go ahead and try to get to it. Basically, you have... People can be classified into two classifications, neurodivergent and neurotypical. So your basest definition of a nerd is basically a neurodivergent, somebody who is neurodivergent. But that doesn't mean all neurodivergents are nerds and not all nerds are neurodivergent. But that's the baseline of where the concept of a nerd comes from. Somebody who is socially awkward, who doesn't fit in, somebody who's extra intelligent in some ways, or hyper fixated in other ways. Somebody whose brain functions differently than the norm. A geek, on the other hand, is somebody who might be a nerd. They might be neurodivergent, they might not be, but they're fascinated by nerd culture, basically is what it comes down to. So. A nerd is somebody who is who who can do math or science. Somebody who's smart, who has higher than normal intelligence, but also has a fascination with science, technology, science fiction, things of that sort. A geek is just somebody that's into comic books, computers, video games, toys, things like that. So nerds can be geeks and geeks can be nerds. That's that's my core basis understanding of the two differences. But 
I've always thought of nerds as smart people who have interest in things that geeks like. Geeks don't have to be smart. You don't have to be smart to be a geek. I've always separated geek culture and nerd culture. They're like two different things. Just because you hyper fixate on something doesn't make you a nerd. And that's why I don't like using the neurodivergent, neurotypical distinguisher. Because there are a lot of neurotypicals who are either nerds or geeks. And there are a lot of neurodivergents who are neither nerds nor geeks. So, yeah, I, I just wanted to use that classification as a baseline so that we at least had an understanding of what my argument is. But my core argument is this. Nerds are smart, geeks are not. That's what it boils down to. Basically. That doesn't mean that doesn't mean geeks are stupid. It just means nerds can do your math homework where geeks probably can't. Now, that doesn't mean a geek can't do your science homework or doesn't doesn't excel in the areas where they do excel. It just means that nerds typically are really good at math and science. That's that's how I distinguish it. Basically, do I consider myself a nerd or a geek? Well, I suck at math, but I'm pretty good at science, except for when math is involved. I'm fascinated by science, I should say. But I am linguistically... Uh, well, that's where my skill set lies, although I'm not setting myself up right now for any evidence. Uh, I studied linguistics in college, so my expertise lies in, in the use of language, the understanding of language and culture. So I would still consider myself a nerd. I'm not good at math or science, but I'm good in other areas. So maybe I'm more of a geek than a nerd, but I still consider myself a nerd. I don't know why. I'm not neurodivergent, really. I mean, I have bipolar disorder, and I have borderline personality disorder. Those are neurological disorders. But I don't think that necessarily makes me neurodivergent. It, I guess in the strictest sense it doesn't. I don't know. Some people would say it does, but... I don't know. Are video games toys? That's another question I wanted to answer. Are video games toys? Do they count as toys? Video games are computer programs that we play on television screens. They can be played on a computer screen, but basically what it boils down to is a video game is an interactive television program. That's what a video game is. Interactive TV programs. But they're computerized. They're digital. Now, they don't necessarily have to be digital, but all the best ones and all of the modern ones are. But I'm not 100% on definitions. I don't necessarily like to follow the the encyclopedia definition for things. This is because as a linguistics, as somebody who studied linguistics, I think that words can change their meaning or they can have different meanings to different people. And so I don't like to take a strict dictionary definition of something because I believe that words are flexible. At the same time, I like to define things. I like to know what how, how you define something. And so for me, I think at its core, a video game is a toy. It's something you interact with. It's something you play with. I consider board games toys. And video games can be electronic board games in some respects. 
not just because you have colorful characters, because a lot of video games have cartoon characters in them, even Fortnite or something like Halo. Definitely Mario and Sonic and Pac-Man. But I think because you play with them with your hands, they're, they're, there's that tactile feedback. You interact with them through touch, just like you would a toy. Just like you would a toy. And they come in neat packaging like toys do. Now you could argue anything that you can collect is a toy or anything that you can play with is a toy, technically. But I still think that at their core, video games are toys. They're made for kids. Now adults can enjoy them and we have toys that adults can collect and enjoy as well. They have, we have adult collectibles. So video games can definitely exist in that spectrum. I don't consider video games purely entertainment though. I consider them interactive and it's the interactive component that makes me think of them as toys. What do you think? Let me know in the comments. Do you agree or disagree? What are your thoughts? Alright, let's talk about pop versus energy drinks. So my girlfriend and I had a discussion the other day. We were talking about how she was telling me how she likes to discover new flavors of energy drinks because they're exciting and there's always new flavors to discover. And my cat just opened the door. Okay. He just opened the cupboard door and climbed inside the cupboard. That was interesting. And I had responded that I like discovering new pop flavors as well. And she had mentioned that, yeah, that's true. She likes discovering new pop flavors as well. But she prefers energy drinks because there's more variety in the energy drink. Her words, not mine. So I got to thinking about this. And this is what I thought. My girlfriend pointed out that with energy drinks you get a lot of different flavors, but you can get them in two varieties. You can get them in the sugar variety or the zero sugar variety. Now with soda pops, you can get a lot of different varieties but you don't get the diet flavors and variety. You don't get a lot of diet variety. What that means is a lot of the flavored sodas don't come in diet flavor. They don't come in diet in a diet form. And a lot of diet sodas don't get, you don't see a lot of flavored diets. You just get the core diet drink and that's pretty much it. That's not to say that they don't make diet flavored sodas. They just don't, for some reason they don't make as many of them or they're not as popular, so they don't sell as well, I don't know. But basically, I think what it comes down to is I prefer pop over energy drinks. In some, some respects, I, I like the flavor of energy drinks and I like that they come in a can and I like the taste of a can better than the taste of a bottle. Uh, but the energy drink loses its carbonation faster than the soda pop does because the pop comes in a bottle with a lid. Unless of course you're buying cans, but you know, again, you're limiting your variety options if you're buying cans. Because most of the varieties come in bottles, they don't come in cans. So I think in the pop versus energy drink debate, if we're gonna call it that, I actually do prefer energy drinks because they taste better. 
But you can get a lot of good varieties with soda pop too if you're, if you're willing to buy a bottle. I mostly stick with Mountain Dew because Mountain Dew always is coming up with experimental new flavors. And I like that. Most of your other sodas don't play around with the flavors all that much. Coke kind of does. Sometimes Pepsi does. But for the most part, it's pretty much Mountain Dew experimenting with the flavors. So you have to like Mountain Dew. And that is sort of a limitation. You have the one base soda that you're getting multiple flavors on. If you don't like the base soda or you don't like that brand, then there's not a lot of options for you. So energy drinks make more sense in that regard. Why was Ninja Turtles an unstoppable phenomenon? I think I'm going to skip that topic. I think I'm going to come back to it for another day. I think that's too deep of a topic for me to get into. I don't have enough time left in this episode to dig into something like that. And I think I'm at this point, all I'm going to say is it was cool. What else did you expect? No, I don't think I have anything to say on this topic, so I'm going to come back to it another day. Quantum Leap is getting a reboot. I'm just going to say this. I didn't like the original Quantum Leap that much. I watched it because my mom liked it, and I was kind of a mama's girl, you know? I was present male presenting, so I was kind of a mama's boy, if you will. But I was definitely, you know, I liked spending time with my mom. I was close with my mom, so... She liked to watch Quantum Leap, so I watched it with her. I hated it. It was nothing like Doctor Who. I loved Doctor Who. So as far as a reboot goes, I have no interest in a reboot because I had no interest in the original show. But at the same time, I'm willing to check out a reboot just on the off chance that it's actually better than the original show. Because I didn't like I just didn't like Quantum Leap. I preferred Sliders. That was a better show, in my opinion. I, wa I liked watching Sliders. I did not like watching Quantum Leap. I couldn't get my mom into Sliders, though. Every time I tried, I just couldn't. So I had to watch that one on my own. It was like Highlander. She wouldn't get into Highlander. And Highlander is a show made for middle-aged moms. I guess she was too Christian for that. She was a Sunday school teacher. All right. Do you remember Polly Pockets? Polly Pockets is the toy topic for the week. It's not going to be much of a topic because I never really owned any. But I always wanted them. Polly Pockets are these little like makeup kits that you open up and they come with a toy inside instead of makeup. That's basically what they are. You get this little miniature, like, I don't know, one inch tall little figure. And, and you get little accessories and you get this little play set and it was fun but I don't own any Polly Pockets classic or original every time I go to the store I see Polly Pockets and, and I see them for sale and I'm like ah, they're too expensive for what I'm willing to pay for that type of toy I'll say this girls toys cost more than boys toys and I'm saying this as a toy collector I collect across the aisle I'm a trans woman. I buy boy toys, I buy girls toys. And I'll tell you what, girls toys are more expensive and they shouldn't be. They really shouldn't be, especially Barbie. Holy crap is Barbie expensive. Girls, you have no idea how screwed you're getting on Barbie prices. 
Although to be fair, to be fair, you can get a bar, you can get an entry level Barbie for five bucks, and you can get some clothes for that Barbie for like six bucks, and then you've got a toy to play with. But when you put the two together, that's eleven dollars. In order to get anything out of that toy, your base Barbie is eight or nine dollars, which at first seems inexpensive compared to the action figures, which are all fifteen to twenty bucks. But then you have to figure you got to spend eight bucks on the clothes after spending eight bucks on the toy. All of a sudden, you're looking at sixteen dollars. It isn't economical. And if you want to buy shoes for her, you got to spend another five bucks. And if you want to get a playset, the playsets are expensive compared to the boys' toys. Now, girl, I'm going to say this right now. Barbie's got some phenomenal playsets. I love my Barbie toys, but they are not cost-effective. Not in the slightest. Because everybody has to have their own outfits. You have to. You can't dress everybody in the same clothes. You can't buy one outfit and then have a bunch of naked dolls and then you just trade outfits for everybody. If you have multiple dolls, you got to have multiple outfits so everybody has clothes because you don't want to play with a bunch of naked toys. You know, I mean, I don't know about y'all, but I don't want to play with a bunch of naked toys. Avatar's back in theaters. I'm excited. I want to go see it. I didn't get to see Avatar in theaters when it came out, when it was new. I didn't get to see it in 3D when it was new either. I've never seen Avatar in theaters or in 3D. And now it's back in both. It's back in theaters and it's in 3D again. I'm going to go see Avatar. I don't know when, but I'm excited that it's coming back. And I'm going to go see it. Oh, I might go see it. I might not. It depends on what my job situation looks like. It also depends on what my money looks like and what, you know, what I'm doing. All right, that's this week's episode. Thanks for listening. If you liked my content, please leave a like, a comment, or a subscribe. Don't forget to subscribe. It helps me boost. It helps boost my content. And I'm not going to lie. It helps boost my ego a little bit, too. Why not? What does it hurt? What do you have to lose? Go ahead and like my comment. Like my videos. Leave a comment. And uh, subscribe. It doesn't hurt you to subscribe. If you want to follow me on elsewhere on the internet, I'm on Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, and Instagram at StephanieBree22. You can read my blog if you go to www.stephaniebree.com, and you can watch my YouTube videos if you go to Stephanie Bree on YouTube channel. Stephanie Bree, that's B-R-I. I am Stephanie Bree. This has been my show. Thanks for listening. <laughs>